You're listening to a sermon from Redeeming Life Church. Well, good morning. How's it going? It's good to be back. My wife and I have been gone for a couple weeks, so it's been it's been a good trip. We had a good trip back to Nebraska and Iowa, but it's always good, always good to be back and see some of you, no, all of you. It's always good to see all of you guys. Uh, my name is Brett Riceley. I'm the Minister of Outreach and Discipleship here. If you guys don't know me, I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, we've been in a series called uh, This Christian Life for the last six weeks. Today is the last sermon in that six-week series, and we've covered everything from the very beginning of what it means to be a Christian, where you start with belief, belief in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, all the way through what does it look like to love God, to walk with God, to have a relationship where you're pursuing intimacy with God. We've covered things like serving with joy as we are the body of Christ. We serve one another. We serve for the sake of the world around us. We do that with joy. We've looked at what it looks like to love the family, to love the body, to serve each other, to be sacrificially laying down our lives for the sake of each other, because that ultimately glorifies God. And so this morning, the last piece of the Christian Life series that we're going to talk about today is what it means to live sent. What does it mean to live sent? That's a great question. So see, most of us, this sermon is going to be more about what does it look like to be in the world? What does it look like when we leave here, when we leave the fellowship of believers, the common fellowship that we have together because of our beliefs? What does that look like when we leave these, these walls? We're out in the world, we're in our workplaces, we're in school, we're in our homes, we're in our neighborhoods, wherever we find ourselves, what does it look like to live out our faith in front of other people? And so you see, most of us don't struggle, I don't think, with the desire to make a difference out there in the world. I think all of us at some point want to make an impact. We want our lives to mean something. We want our lives to have an impact on others for the sake of the gospel. I think most of us struggle, including myself, with how to make a difference. What does that look like? How do we live sent? And so this morning, the working definition that I want to use um, when we talk about what does it mean to live sent, here's the definition that we're going to be working with this morning. To live sent means that you are an everyday missionary who makes disciples where God has already placed you. So an everyday missionary that makes disciples where God has already placed you. Okay, so this means that now we no longer live with the purposes of our own life, the purposes that we think we want to do, our own agenda. Now, because we are in Christ, if you are a believer this morning, you now have a new set of purposes for your life. You have a new parameter now because of you in your relationship with Christ. Okay, as one author says, our role as everyday missionaries is to introduce people to Christ, to actively be a part of their journey in knowing Christ and becoming like Christ, and to teach them to repeat that process with others. This is called the disciple-making process. So when we say making disciples, that includes talking about people and introducing them to Christ, talking to people and telling them about your story. What does it mean? How did you become a Christian? Why do you serve and follow Christ? This is all part of the disciple-making process. Okay, and so one of the texts, we're going to jump around to a couple texts this morning, but if you want to open to Acts 1, Acts 1, and we're going to read verse 8. This may be familiar to most of you. Um, this is a, a powerful verse. Acts 1, 8. Okay, let's read this. Acts 7 and 8, actually. Uh, excuse me, starting verse 6. <laughs> so when, the, when they had come together, they asked him, meaning the Lord, Lord, when will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus speaking, Jesus said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and on Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, notice, this is interesting. The disciples here, Jesus is resurrected. He comes and He appears to the disciples. They're like, okay, great. You're back. Awesome. What took you so long? They're back. They want to know what Jesus is going to do now. Is He going to rectify everything in the world? Is He going to set everything straight right now while He's back? Jesus says, look, don't be so impatient. Calm down. It's not for you to know what's going on. But here's what you do need to know. Here's your responsibility. Here's your role. You will be my witnesses. But the first thing that comes before witnesses, notice, is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So I think that's interesting to notice that before we become witnesses and before we move out to be witnesses, there is this element of us waiting patiently for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the, the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which then empowers us to be witnesses in the world. You see that? And so we need God's timing and God's power to be effective in our witness for Him. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing as we've studied in John 15. We know that apart from Him, we can do nothing. Therefore, apart from the Holy Spirit, we can also not be an effective witness. We, are, we would be working in our own strength, working in our own mind, in our own capacity. And to do that as a witness would be a very poor or weak witness. And so this is interesting to note that we must be people that are constantly in tune and walking with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That is the source of our capacity to be an effective witness, if you will. And as I was studying this, I didn't know this until this week, and this blew my mind. I was talking to Nicole about this. The Greek word for witness here is the exact same word that is used for the word martyr. It is the word martus. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you will be my martyrs. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're just going to all die for our faith. It's not exactly what it means. But the word martyr really means in its full capacity is that a person bore such an incredible witness to who Christ was in their entire life. Everything that they were, everywhere that they went, their life completely testified to the truth claims of who Jesus was and what He was all about. Keenly at that time, it was the resurrection. Okay, And so people ended up dying for that fact because back then the resurrection was a really big deal as it should be today and so when we look at this appointment as disciples and being witnesses our same appointment was the same that the disciples had their appointment when they when jesus was talking to them to be witnesses was that they should testify everywhere to who jesus was and what they knew about jesus so that is an incredible weight as i studied this this week and was fully convicted of wow like would my life be so passionately and so intensely bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ that some people would want to hurt me, imprison me, beat me, or even kill me? That's a tough question to wrestle with this morning. Is your life so intensely representing the truth claims of Jesus that people want to hurt you, put you in prison, or even kill you? That's the type of level that we're talking about when it comes to witnessing. This isn't just this every day I wear a name tag, I'm a Christian on Sundays, Monday through Saturday, I take the name tag off when I do my thing. This is a fully all-in, all-or-nothing commitment to representing the truth of who Jesus was and the truth of who Jesus is. And the beautiful thing about this is that the church, meaning the body of Christ, us, we are the church. Amen? So we know that the church is Jesus' vehicle to continue His work on the earth until He comes again, right? So we, 
We are the vehicle. God has given us His Holy Spirit, as we see in this passage, in order to be a means, to be an instrument, to bring the redemptive work and to be a witness of that fact. And so we are all bearing witness to something about the truth of Jesus. The question is, what do people see in your witness? What is it when they look at your life and you say you're a Christian, what are they seeing? Are they seeing the truth of this book? Are they seeing the truth that you say you believe? Or do they see something else? See, this is something we all have to wrestle with every day as we wake up. Is our witness worth following? Is our witness worth imitating? Because if we say we're witnesses of Jesus, it better line up with this book and it better be worth following because it's lining up with who Jesus was. Amen? So to be a witness... Going back to our definition that we're working on this morning, to be a witness means that you are an everyday missionary. There's no days off. Yeah, we're going to slow down as we've been talking about in our, in our rhythms as a church. We can slow down our pace, but there is no stop. There is no, I'm going to take a break from being a Christian today. I just don't feel like it. And let's be honest. Have we all had those days? I've had those days. I've had those days this week where I don't really feel like being a Christian. Woe is me. Poor me. Too bad. The problem is, and this is something I struggle with, is this is not optional. Amen. This is not optional. We don't have the choice of to flip a switch, I'm a Christian, flip the switch, I'm not a Christian. This is either we're all in every day or we're not. And Jesus is very clear all throughout Scriptures and all throughout the Gospels that you put your hand on the plow, you don't look back. If you look back, you're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. These are Jesus' words. And so these are things I wrestle with is I'm tired and I'm busy and I'm thinking about a bunch of things and there's days where I just don't feel like it. I have to be reminded that it doesn't matter what I feel like. What matters is what the truth is. What matters is what I've been called to do. What matters is the, what the obedience to the Scriptures that I'm, I'm supposed to live up to. Okay, and so this is what it means to live sent, that your life testifies to the truth of Jesus. How you live that and what that looks like that's going to vary between each person. But as an everyday missionary who makes disciples where God has already placed you, this is our calling, to be obedient. Okay, so now that we kind of have a clear picture of what it means, kind of the definition of living sent, this everyday missionary, so who is sent then? Is this just for a select group of people? Is this just for men? Is this just for ministry leaders? Is this just for missionaries, literal missionaries that go overseas? Who is sent? That's the next question we want to look at. And so when Jesus... When Jesus came and He appeared to His disciples, the book of John records a piece of this story where Jesus is talking to His disciples again. He says in John 20, 21, you don't need to turn there, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, even so I am sending you. Okay, so the fact that we talked about this earlier, as Ben mentioned, is Jesus has come, has been sent to the earth. He came in the flesh to model the life that we are supposed to live. Now, we as disciples of Jesus are being sent just like Jesus was sent to this world. We are now on a mission with God to do this. And so the main text this morning, if you guys want to turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's what Ben read for you this morning. It's called the Great Commission. This is, an, this is another account in Matthew's Gospel of what Jesus' words were when He appeared to His disciples after the resurrection. And we see, I'll, I'll read it one more time, Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Okay, this is a very powerful. This is most of you have heard this many times. This is a this the first one of the first words he says after all authority has been given to me. What am I telling you to do with all the authority now that I have? I'm telling you to go. Okay, so the question this morning is who? Where do you need to go? What does that go look like for you? Okay, we are all called to this. Those of us that call Jesus our Lord, this passage applies to every single one of us that say we're a Christian. This is where the not optional stuff starts to come into focus here. Okay, so if this is you, you have already been sent. The question is, where you're sent to, what does that look like? Are you living in that capacity? Do you have that mindset? As one author has said, we are to go whether it is next door or to another country, and make disciples. It is not an option, but a command to all who call Jesus Lord. We are not all evangelists in the formal sense, but we have all received gifts that we can use to help fulfill the Great Commission. As we obey, we have comfort in the knowledge that Jesus will always be with us. Okay, so some of the things, as I have been in ministry for a few years, not very long, seven years actually, coming up, I think, in the summer, we've met a lot of people along the way that say, well, that's great, Brett. The Great Commission sounds great, but that's not really for me. That's not really my job. That's your job as a pastor. That's your job as a person in ministry. That's your job as a leader in the church. My job is just to come to a Sunday service. My job is just to be here. I'm not qualified to do what you do. And to that, I say that's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Because if anybody... Is ever going to be qualified to serve Jesus? None of us would be serving Jesus. Amen? Amen. We are only qualified because of the merits of Christ Himself. It's the only thing that makes us qualified to do anything for Him. Okay, and so this I'm not a professional minister thing, some of you may be in that camp where you've thought or believed the lie that you are not qualified to share the gospel because you haven't been to seminary, because you haven't had any formal experience in ministry. That's a lie. Okay? You are qualified because of the merits of Christ. You've been called to a a mission with God to make disciples of all nations where God's already placed you as an everyday missionary. You have to be obedient to that. And so if you fall into this camp, I just want to encourage you that look at the life of the disciples. Have you ever read the book of Acts? These guys, or the whole, the Gospels. These guys were knuckleheads. Right? Peter denied Jesus. I mean, all throughout, you see the, the Gospels, the disciples were making mistakes left and right. Did God still use those guys? Absolutely. Peter, the guy that denied Jesus three times in Matthew 16, 18, says, Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And who, where else will we go, Lord? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, on that confession, I will build my church. Peter, the guy that denied Jesus, said, I'm going to build my church on that. Okay? So we also see in Acts 8 that after the stoning of Stephen... There is widespread persecution among the church. And interestingly, in Acts 8.1, it says that the apostles, that all the church was scattered except for the apostles. And the apostles were the ones that stayed back in Jerusalem, and the rest of the church was scattered. Now, after that, in the following verses, we read that there were many miracles done. People that were paralyzed were healed. People were saved. People were preaching the gospel every single day. And people were getting saved in an incredible rate. Who was doing all of that work? Not the apostles, not the professionals. Everyday disciples just like you, just like me. Everyday people make disciples. Professionals don't make disciples. Everyday people that are broken, that are sinful, that stumble, that are tired, that get weary, that have feelings and emotions and families and schedules and work, we all are called to make disciples. 
So the beautiful thing is that God doesn't need any one of us to do that. He doesn't need us. We don't, let alone the professionals, God commands all of us to join Him in this work, and He allows us to be part of His redemptive work in this world as an everyday missionary. Okay? So Matthew 16, 18, I mentioned just a little bit ago, we have to keep this in mind that Jesus builds His church, we make disciples. It is not responsible for us to make sure that this thing grows and becomes a healthy thing. This God builds His church. Amen? We make disciples. Our job is to scatter the seed. Our, our, our job is to be faithful. Our job is to live every day as a missionary with that mindset to make disciples where God has already placed us. Okay, All of us are sent, commanded to participate in the Great Commission as He builds His church. So do not believe the lie that you are not qualified or that you don't have enough experience to share Christ with other people. Okay, another common misunderstanding or sometimes an excuse for not making disciples is either I'm too busy or I'm too busy pondering the truth about Christ to do that. I want to know everything there is to know about theology and doctrine before I share that. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with theology, obviously. It's upon this, it's upon this book, which is a book full of theology and doctrine that we build our life and we build our practices. But if you find yourself in the camp where you spend all your time reading, all your time studying, all your time thinking, but then none of that truth gets lived out in the action of life, I would encourage you to reevaluate that because that's not healthy. We are all called to wrestle with what theology means in our life and to live that out in a practical way. Any theology that doesn't help you love Jesus more and live that out misses the point. Any theology that doesn't help you love Jesus more and live it out misses the point. We just sit here and know a bunch of stuff and we stay in our rooms and we know everything about this book. We've never mentioned it to anybody. We've never gone out and lived it in front of anybody. How helpful is that to a lost and dying world? It's not helpful. Okay, We need both. There's balance here. We have to know this thing so we know what to say. We know what to talk about. We know the truth, right? We have to go. We have to be practicing this. And so knowledge plus application of this word equals transformation in our own lives. Knowledge doesn't necessarily just equal transformation in that sense. When we put knowledge in, we wrestle with what does that look like in my life where God has placed me? How do I live this out as we are going God transforms us. Brian was saying in the prayer meeting earlier this morning that as we want to be more evangelistic and practice personal evangelism, that is a great way to grow closer in your intimate relationship with God. Because as you're going, you're saying, God, I don't know how to do this. Help me. How do I talk to this person? And God is helping you do that. And He's stretching you and growing you in that. And that is a part of the sanctification process. Making disciples is a very, very intense way of sanctification. Being sent matters. And here's why. Why does it matter? Why? And so if we're all sent, why does that matter? It matters because eternity is at stake here. Okay, we're on a mission. This isn't a game. We're not just playing church. Okay, people that don't find out the truth of Jesus go to hell for an eternity. You and I were on that road before we found Jesus, right? Other people are on that road right now. And if... What are, we, what are we risking here? If we, what's the risk if we talk to people? What are we risking? If we, nothing. We talk to people. Maybe we're going to get rejected. Maybe people say we're weird. Maybe people say we're dumb. Maybe people say we're just wackos. At the end of the day, is that really a risk? No. 
But what do we risk if we don't make disciples? What do we risk if we don't go? What do we risk if we don't sow seeds everywhere we go? What do we risk if we're not everyday missionaries making disciples where God has already placed us? What if we just ignore that? What are we risking then? We're risking the, the souls, the potential lives of people that may not ever hear the gospel because we were too scared to not be rejected or called dumb. Our job is not to save people. Our job is to be obediently faithful, to sow the seeds that God will use to bring whoever He chooses. Amen. So we see in 1 Corinthians 3 this language where Paul talks about the Christians that are arguing in Corinth about, well, I follow Paul, well, I follow Apollos. And, and Paul's like, no, no one cares who you follow. What matters is who sent Paul and Apollos, right? So he says in verse 4, For when I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Verse 5, What, what then is Apollos? What then is, is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Let me repeat that for all of us that get stuck in our egos. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Amen. So if you plant seeds and you water seeds, great. At the end of the day, God says, it's not, that's great. I don't need you to do that, but thank you. And I want you to do that. But recognize that our job is to plant and water seeds. As Brian mentioned in that beautiful story of the cup and the cup maker, we're spilling seeds everywhere because we don't know how to do this. And that's okay because we're human. But God uses all those seeds all along the path. And what happens? A beautiful garden springs up. We go and we, we take the water and we're spilling it everywhere. And what happens? Even in our feeble efforts as human beings to do our very best to be faithful to this word, to be faithful to make disciples, guess what? God will use that. He's not looking for professional seed throwers here, people. He's looking for people that will throw the seed in all directions wherever that person is going, knowing and believing that God is sovereign and good enough and knows all things to know what He wants to do with all of those seeds at whatever time He chooses to do that. Our job is to sow broadly. Sow the seeds broadly in your home, in your work, in your place of employment. When you are in your neighborhood, what kind of seeds are you throwing? Are you throwing any seeds at all? Are you throwing seeds of gospel? Are you telling people that you're going to church? Are you saying that you love Jesus? Are you saying that you want this community to be blessed because God made this place? God created all things and wants things to be working together. Are you saying these things? These are all seeds that we need to be saying every day. And so if you're a follower of Jesus... I hope that you feel the implications of this, that we are all called to be everyday missionaries that make disciples where God has already placed you. The, the, the question is, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do about that? Are you going to be obedient to plant and water these seeds constantly? And imagine, if we never sow any seeds, what kind of harvest should we expect? If we never sow any seeds, should we expect a great big harvest? No. No. Granted, God could do that on His own, and He can and He will. But the more seeds we throw, the more opportunities people have to hear and possibly have their life changed forever for the sake of the Gospel. So think about this. What, what changes may need to take place in your life today in order for you to start living this way? What needs to change? Maybe something needs to go. Maybe you need to cut down some stuff in your schedule so you have margin to do this more. Maybe you need to be more intentional. 
in the moments that you're already living life. Okay? So we've established that living sent means you're an everyday missionary who makes disciples where God has already placed you. We've established that all of us that call Jesus our Lord are all of us are sent. There's no options. There's no on and off switch. There's no certain days of the week. It's an all day, every day, all in or nothing thing. We're all called to be obedient to that. So what now does it look like to live this way? I'm going to walk through some, some scripture here. And Paul talks about being an ambassador in Corinthians. I love this language because we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent the King and we represent His kingdom. We talked about this a little bit in Romans where we have a dual citizenship as Christians. We call ourselves believers in Christ. We have a dual citizenship. Our primary citizenship is in heaven. We are kingdom citizens first and primarily. That citizenship supersedes all things on this earth. But then we also are placed and sent as everyday missionaries to the earth to also live the kingdom life in front of every other person that we meet. And so while this is going to look different for each and every person to be a different kind of ambassador where God has placed you, the principle of living sent applies to all of us. Okay, And I was thinking about this as an ambassador as I've been traveling all over the place and go to all these different cities and just seeing different cultures and different ways people live in those cities. Thinking about the difference between the role of an ambassador and a tourist. Okay? An ambassador is one that is sent on official business. He's very focused on a specific goal to, to accomplish in a certain place that he's been sent to go do that task. Okay? Tourists arrive because they want to be there. There's no real higher authority. They're just there to see the sights. They're there to take in what's going on around them. There's no specific agenda. Ambassadors are sent by a higher authority and distinguished apart from the average person. They're not just the average guy. They are an ambassador that represents another place that is now living and acting in a place of authority in another place. A tourist, tourists represent themselves. They blend into the context around them, and they're just there to see the sights. They're just there to take in goods and services. They're just there to enjoy that place with no real responsibility of representing anything other than just they're there to have a good time. Okay? So are you an ambassador or are you a tourist this morning? As you think about your life, as you think about your role in your neighborhood and your work and your community, do you live more like an ambassador or do you live more like a tourist? Do you just blend in, kind of go through the motions, take in goods and services as a tourist, or are you living as, an, as a missionary that's sent? You have this everyday mentality that I'm here to make disciples where God's placed me. Are you living as an ambassador in that way? See... I think that one of the most neglected mission fields in our country today is your neighborhood. One of the most neglected mission fields, I think, today is your neighborhood. Because most of us think that we have to go somewhere else to be a missionary. We have to go somewhere else to do the work of sharing the gospel for Christ. Who do you think would be the best missionary? If you could pick anybody that you know, any Christian, who would be the best missionary to come to your neighborhood and evangelize your neighborhood? Would it be me, Pastor Brian, John Piper, Billy Graham? I don't know. No, I think the best person to evangelize your neighborhood is you. Why? Because you live there. You live there. Every day, remember our definition of living sent. An everyday missionary who makes disciples where God has already placed you. Where God has already placed you. So this is not about adding more to your life and doing more things, getting other roles. Where has God placed you? And how do you make disciples there? 
every day. This is what we're talking about. So in your neighborhood, take advantage of that. You live there. You mow the lawn. You, you see the comings and goings of people. You have those relationships. Every day, we need to wake up with a missionary mindset in our home, in our neighborhood, in our work, your kids' school, the gym, the city council meetings that you go to, the businesses and the restaurants that you frequent. If we would have the missionary mindset in all of those places, I'm convinced God would continue to use us even more as we sow those seeds in those places for the sake of the gospel. So wherever God has placed you, that is your mission field. That is where you are primarily called to make disciples. God puts you at your workplace for a reason. There's probably a lot of people in your workplace that don't know Jesus. God put you in your neighborhood next to a bunch of people that probably don't know Jesus. God put your kid in a school where there's lots of other kids whose parents probably don't know Jesus, right? You are the best missionary possible for your neighborhood. So some would say, well, what about, okay, Brett, okay, we're supposed to be missionaries. What about the overseas? What, What about other countries? What about people that aren't here in the United States. What about that? And so some would argue that we have to do that as well, right? And I say, absolutely. We have a team that just went to Guatemala. We need to be doing that. The, the Great Commission talks about spreading the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Okay, so it's not restricted to just where we are. But the issue in my mind, the issue that I wrestle with is that most of us, if we're honest, would rather go 10,000 miles to be a missionary rather than walk 10 feet across our lawn to be a missionary. That's my experience. That's my struggle as well. So the issue is not where do we be a disciple maker? Where do we live out our missionary calling? I feel like the the issue really is are we being obedient to where God has already placed you? If you can't be a missionary where God has already placed you, why would you go somewhere else and try it? God placed you where He placed you for a reason. Why would you go somewhere else and try and do that? I'm not saying don't go. I'm saying be obedient where you're already at. And then go be obedient somewhere else. Be obedient everywhere. But start where God has already placed you. Wrestle with what that looks like there. And as God leads you to go other places and do other things, by all means, go to the nations and make disciples. The issue is obedience. And so if you are struggling and thinking that I'm telling you to just add all this stuff to my life, and you're thinking, man, I don't have time to do all this stuff, Brett. I don't have time to... Add more stuff. I don't want you to feel that. That's not what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. The, the, the issue is not adding more things. It's being more intentional in what you're already doing. So it's additional versus intentional. I'm asking you to be more intentional. Okay. So I'm going to list, as we wrap up here in a few seconds, I just want to list five practical ways. And hopefully this will be helpful. One author has listed these. None of this is mine. I'm going to list five practical ways that you can start living as an everyday missionary where God has already placed you and thinking about just being more intentional in these moments. Okay, the first one is start listening. Start listening to what God is saying to you through His Word. Start listening through what God is saying as you cultivate an intimate relationship with Him in your prayer life. My guess is as we say, God... Reveal to me what's going on in my neighborhood. Show me how I fit into your mission in this neighborhood. Show me how I fit in here. What's my role in my neighborhood? What's my role in my workplace? Start listening. Second thing, know the story. Know the story. Know the broader story of what God's redemptive work is all about so that when you meet people, you have something to share with them. You can talk about how your story fits into the bigger picture of God's story. Know your story. And as you see other people and you recognize their brokenness, you recognize their hopelessness, you can say, hey, look, here's the story of what God is doing. Here's how your life fits into this big story. Okay? 
Start listening. Know the story. Third thing is celebrate. We're in a great season right now in summer where there's graduations, there's weddings, there's anniversaries. There's all sorts of holidays all year round that just keep coming. We ought to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. Amen? Amen? Why? Because we have the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I feel like we don't live that way. I know there's some days where we say, how is it going? And lately we're all kind of like, I'm tired. Tired, you know, we kind of, and that's okay. It's, it's, it's a human emotion. We sometimes are just exhausted. But if that's our, if that's our response our whole life, I'm tired, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm busy, does that communicate that we're full of joy? Does that communicate that we have life, that we have a vibrant life and a vibrant joy because of what Jesus has done in me and through me? We ought to be celebrating with people. Have parties. Plan a neighborhood party and invite people to come and just hang out in your neighborhood just because. Why not? Who doesn't love a party? Let's be honest, right? <laughs> Some don't. Okay, so know the story. Listen, celebrate. Fourth thing, bless others. Look for ways to bless others in the context God has already placed you. This is such an easy thing. Look for the needs as people go throughout their day. It's pretty obvious most, to most people. Some people struggle with this or they need a word of encouragement. Ask the Spirit to reveal to you three people that you can bless this week. To say, God, who in my neighborhood? Who in my work? Who in my school? Who in my whatever? Who in my context could I bless today? And it could be as simple as saying, hey man, you did really great on that project and you nailed it. Great. Some people need a word of encouragement. Some people may need a pat on the back. Some people may need help watching their kids so they can have a date night. I don't know what it is. Ask the Spirit to reveal to you some ways that you can be a blessing to the people in your life. Okay, last thing. This is one of my favorite. Okay, Eat. <laughs> Eat. Okay, we eat 21 times a week. Some of us more. If you're like myself, we get anxious. We like to eat. Okay, so this is something we're already doing. Once again, it's not about adding more to your schedule. It's about being more intentional. So maybe take three meals a week and invite people that are not yet believers to your table. Sit with them. Get to know their story. Invite your neighbors. Invite coworkers. Invite family. Invite people that are believers. Invite people to your dinner table. And the, and the purpose of this is we want to be trying to make disciples. We can make disciples of those that aren't yet believers. We can make disciples of those that are believers. Okay? So maybe you start a monthly dinner night in your neighborhood and you open the invitation and say, look, anybody's welcome to come having dinner at my place. Just come. The key to this is all is we have to live as everyday missionaries 24-7 to make disciples where God has already placed you. And the key is asking God, show me, God, how I can do that, what that looks like for me. Okay? I'm not telling you there's a one-size-fits-all approach to this. Each of you has different gifts and abilities and places where God's put you. Ask God how you can live on mission where He's already planted you. I want to read an excerpt from one commentator that kind of wraps up the motivation for all of this. It says, Today, many people still doubt Jesus' resurrection, but Jesus appeared to the disciples on many occasions after His resurrection, proving that He was alive. So consider the resurrection and the change that it made in the disciples' lives. At Jesus' death, they were scattered, they were disillusioned, and they were fearing for their lives. After seeing the resurrected Christ, though, they became fearless and risked everything to spread the good news about Him around the world. They faced imprisonment, beatings, rejection, martyrdom, yet they never compromised their mission. I wrestle with this myself, but if someone were to describe Redeeming Life Church today and our disciples in this church, would they describe us the same way that we just read that, that quote? 
Would they describe us as people that never compromise their mission? That we risked everything for the sake of spreading the good news about Jesus Christ? Would they say that we faced imprisonment, beatings, rejection, martyrdom for the sake of spreading the gospel? See, this is all or nothing. And I, and I wrestle with this as we were singing these songs. The motivation in all of this is the love of a good father. I'm not doing this because we have to do it. We're going to get kicked in the rear end if we don't. Because God so loved us, we ought to be loving the world. It's as simple as that. We ought to be living as everyday missionaries because we've been given a great hope. Our lives have been changed by the truth of Christ. And if we believe that, and if that's real, we have to live it every single day. And it's hard. It is hard to live it every day. I will give you that. But it doesn't change the fact that we have to. These early disciples witnessed Christ resurrected themselves. They gave everything they had. They risked everything they had for the sake of telling other people about their Lord. We have to be that same type of people if we want to have an impact in our city. So if you're a believer this morning, my question is, how are you contributing to the spread of the gospel as an everyday missionary where God's already placed you? What are you doing as an everyday missionary? Does it look, does it look like that picture we see in Acts? Are you all in? Or is it, I'm three days a week right now? And if you're in that place, acknowledge that, admit that, confess that, and let's move on. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm not here to condemn anyone for where we're at. I struggle as well. Let's get to the place where we are all doing this every day, all day, having a passion to talk about the one that we say we love so much. If you are not a believer this morning, my encouragement for you is that you need Jesus. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And apart from Him, there is no life. Apart from Him, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no eternal life. So if you want to know how to have a relationship with Jesus, please come talk to me, Pastor Brian, Ben. We would love to talk with you what that looks like to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would give us the conviction the courage and the boldness to live every day as a missionary for You on mission with You, God, that makes disciples where we've already been placed by You. God, You have put us where You've put us for a reason. I pray that You would open our eyes to see why we are where we are. That we would see the opportunities to partner with Your redemptive work on this earth to see lives changed. God, that we would see redeemed lives. God, I pray that anyone in this room that is not a believer, that they would wrestle with the truth about who Jesus is and that they would see in our lives that we are sincere about this, that we believe with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and that this is real. God, I pray that those that are here this morning, that all of us, God, would, be, would live sent every day and that, God, that Your kingdom would be glorified and that ultimately Your kingdom would be advanced as we partner with You, God. Thank You that... We have the opportunity to plant and water seeds and thank You that You are a good God that gives the growth. We love You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Redeeming Life Church is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit www.redeeminglifeutah.org.